Welcome back to the Going Going Gooner podcast. This is episode number 10, part two. We've made it 10 episodes. That's pretty nice. I mean, obviously, we hit 10 episodes a while ago because we're doing two parts of episodes, but technically, I'm counting this as episode 10. Episode 10, talking about Arsenal with my co host, Arjun. I am Kyle. We are Going Going Gooner podcast brought to you by your party station, Z89. Make sure to check us out on Twitter at ggoonerpod. We tweet all of the games live. We bring videos to you of all the goals because, I mean, goals have been happening recently. We've been scoring goals, and we just played the FA Cup. We just beat Newcastle. So, Arjun, talk to us about that and talk to us about the two beautiful goals we scored. Yeah, the FA Cup has historically been our competition, and, I mean, this is only the third round, but it's another Premier League team that you're playing. I mean, we you don't really see that often. I mean, Tottenham this week played Marine AFC who are in the eighth division and we drew another Premier League side. So we came away with a 2-0 win after extra time. So the game ended nil-nil and there's no replays in the FA Cup this year. So it goes straight to extra time and then penalties if needed. But it wasn't needed because of Emile Smithrow and Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. So it was a decent performance in the second half. But I've got to say, Newcastle should have won it in, in regular time. We got really lucky. Andy Carroll missed a couple chances. And we sort of went back to our lackluster-looking midfield sort of thing. But surprisingly, what changed that was Granite Xhaka coming on in the 66th minute. And it seems like ever since we roasted Granite Xhaka, I think it was maybe three or four weeks ago, he's been in a really good run of form. He was linking up the defense and the attack really well this game. So what I'm hearing is that we directly contributed to Arsenal's success, specifically Granite Xhaka. Yes, exactly. Like, like how, like how we predicted Alvin Kamara to, you know, go off in that game against the Vikings. He heard it. And I'm sure Granite Xhaka heard this and was like, I'm going to play well just to spite these two college kids. These two random college 20 year olds, (laughs) despite them, I'm going to make sure I play well. That clearly Granite Xhaka and Alvin Kamara listen to our podcast and they're avid listeners of the Going Going Leader podcast, <laughs> like all of you amazing listeners should be. I uh, mean, promotion. it was a good performance from Xhaka. And, it um, was, it was nice. But the creativity really came from Emile Smith-Rowe and it was his goal in the 109th minute, assisted by Alexandra Lacazette, who's been playing out of this world recently. And Aubameyang finally gets a goal really well worked um, by Saka to get that cross in. I think it was Tierney, actually. But it was a good performance in, in that extra time period. We, we dominated them. I don't even think they had a shot on goal in extra time. But, I mean, really the news here is that we're moving on to the next round of the FA Cup. And the news here is that we've got a game against Palace on Thursday also. But, you know, with Arsenal, it's a little break in the action. We're not really playing, you know, a, a quote unquote big six club until the end of the month. So we'll have to see how they continue this run of form, especially with how Saka, Smith Rowe, Martinelli have been playing. It's, it is a weird sort of period in, in, in the season, but it was a good performance and I, I'd like to see them continue with this and especially with this starting lineup. Yeah, it was a really nice performance in the end. In the end, let's say it. Because as you said, first half, ugh. Second half, ugh. Extra time, fantastic. 
Um, exactly. <laughs> the one person who I think we do need to shout out, by the way, is the person who, for years, we had goalkeeper issues. Like, it was a big problem. I Don't get me wrong. I love Woshek Szczesny, David Ospina. They weren't it. Petr Cech wasn't it. He was stability, wasn't it. He couldn't save a penalty for his life. Burnt Leno, these past few year, seasons, has really been, like, he is one of the best keepers in the Prem. And he consistently shows us he's a great goalkeeper. We have a conversation of, do we keep him or Emmy Martinez? The fact that Emmy Martinez was playing out of his mind to cause the conversation to happen, that was what it was. That Martinez was playing was probably at that time was the best keeper in the Prem, like at that exact moment when he was playing, like he was playing lights out. And that's how much it took to get us to say, do we start him or Leno? What do we do? And then we all said, Leno, we trust him. He's played well. And I mean, you can see it with an actual defense ahead of him. He can play well and he can produce the saves we need him to when we need him to. Again, in this game against Newcastle, like there was one very, very easy chance for, I believe it was Andy Carroll. Once at the, at the very end of regular time. At the end of regular time. And Leno stepped up, saved it, and then knocked the rebound away. Like, amazing. He, he's, he saved us in the FA Cup. We, we have to say it that way. Uh, and, and another player I want to shout out, as we do every single week now, Kieran Tierney. He's I so mean, good. he was so he good. was bombing up and down the left wing for 120 minutes of gameplay. And even in like the 118th after Aubameyang scored the second to put it away, he was sprinting for balls. He was sprinting. He was hustling. It's just ridiculous. He's such an engine for this team. And he got an assist to go along with it. I mean, uh, what can we say about Kieran Tierney that we haven't already said? It's incredible how he's playing right now. And we just hope that he can continue because it's just so fun to watch Carantini perform like this. It's so much fun. I want to make a note on what you said. You said like he's, it's insane how well he's playing right now. It's how insane he's just playing. Like he's just this good. Like he's he really he genuinely so is just this good. He's genuinely one of the best left backs in the world. And people like haven't given him the credit for it. Like, Again, obviously, Arsenal have sucked this year. Like, we've gotten better as the last, like, month or so, but we were awful. The only player, the only two players you could say were, like, the only ones that deserved to play, like, for quote-unquote Arsenal, like a top-six side, was Saka and Tierney. And Tierney, my word, <laughs> he, is, he has played, like, the best left back in the Premier League, which is tough to say when you've got Andy Robertson, who also one of the best left backs in the world is on the Liverpool side. Like plus plus Lucas Digne has been having an amazing season for Everton. So yeah. I mean those those three are pretty easily the top 3 and Kieran Tierney is 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 closing in on Robertson. He's because of how well he's playing. And people don't realize this as well. Uh Tierney is the captain of Scotland. And for those who don't know, the other Scotland left back is Andy Robertson. They're both left backs for the same country, and Tierney captains the side. They both obviously play in the starting eleven because you have to fit the eleven. But just you know, Tierney's just got (laughs) Tierney's just got that quality of rallying a side, 
and, you know, showing the energy to sort of lift up his team. When, when one player shows that drive, it motivates the rest of them to match the energy. And that's exactly what Kieran Tierney has done, especially in the game against West Brom in this game too. I mean, he's the future. captain. We've said it time and time again, he will be wearing the armband in the next couple of years, if not sooner. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, he's just, he's electric. He's, he does everything he has to do and he does it to perfection. I mean, I haven't seen many, if any, actually issues with Tierney. Like he defends well, he attacks well, he passes well, he crosses well. Like I don't see any issues with him. And we can't say the same thing about the other side of the wing, like with our right back, but <laughs> leave that for another time because I've <laughs> ranted enough on Hector Bellerin so far. So we'll leave that one for a later date. How about that? Uh, yeah, I think we I think we should. It, yeah. <laughs> and it's also great to see, firstly, Alba on the score sheet. Even though he didn't have to do a lot for the goal, he still scored the goal, which is what matters for Alba because he needs to score to get confidence and more confidence means more goals and more goals means more goals. That's I mean, Arsenal I mean. are on Arsenal are on a four game win streak and that's with Aubameyang scoring one goal in those four games, which is crazy. So, to say. And Oh, I mean, it's Lacazette has picked up that slack, but if, if Aubameyang can play really well, then Arsenal will be back. We've also, or, scored, if Aubameyang, Oh yeah. We also if scored Aubameyang, 10 in the last four games in our game. When our win streak, we've scored 10 goals and let one in and it was Tammy Abraham's chest. Yeah. If, if, if Alan, if, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang can get back to form, this will be Arsenal again. And because he's been so good for us that if the supporting cast can play well, plus Aubameyang can play well, this is going to be a team that can function, which is what we want, obviously. So that, I mean, with Aubameyang, it's, he scored against Southampton in, in the Premier League but he hasn't scored since then. We thought that goal would be the one to, you know, get him back in the swing of things, but it just hasn't been. So we'll have to watch for the game against Palace on Thursday and then Newcastle in the Premier League again um, after that to see if he continues to, you know, score goals. And we hope he does because it'll make it more interesting when squad selection comes out. And another part of the squad selection is the players we have available. And there is a lot of news in that market and that before cap- before that Kyle I just want to mention oh, okay. the fourth round the fourth round of the FA Cup Arsenal drew Southampton or Shrewsbury in the FA Cup draw and if we get through that one then we're most likely going to play Wolves so not exactly an easy path to you know retain the FA Cup but it's how the draw goes and another thing that happened in the draw was uh, Manchester United drew Liverpool so that'll be the marquee matchup to watch for the next round of the FA Cup. So I just wanted to, you know, finish our FA Cup talk before we got into the Arsenal team news. That that sounds that sounds great to me. And now talking about the Arsenal team news. There is a lot of it to go around. Firstly, we'll start with the uh, the big note from this weekend was that Gabriel Martinelli was in the lineup to play against Newcastle. And then he got hurt in warm-ups. And the reaction was that he looked like he was crying. And it a lot, of a lot of fans a lot of people were scared that it was an acl or an achilles like that was the very big scare we were like uh-oh 
he could have torn his Achilles. And that means he's done for eight months. Like that would have been the worst case scenario today. He had his tests and they came back as Martinelli is going to be back in training within the next few days. Whew, we dodged a bullet. We Huge sigh of relief because he's been so good and he just came back from a really lengthy injury too. So losing him would be just gutting. So, I mean, the injury that happened in warmups, it looked like he turned his ankle. So the fear there was, you know, the Achilles, maybe he broke or fractured the ankle. But, I mean, Arteta even said after the game, it doesn't look good because Martinelli was in a lot of pain. But it's so relieving, you know, he's, he'll be fine. He's back in training soon. He'll be available for selection the next couple games. Whew, sigh of relief. Yeah, and you know who else he can join? His countryman, Gabriel, because he's officially back. He is back. He is training. Oh, it's nice to have him back. But also, we may not need him based on how, like, we obviously, we need him. But we have been playing <laughs> lights out at the back. Pablo Mari and Rob Holding have done very well holding this line. I do have mm-hmm. to say. We got to give them props for credit. Like, credit where credit is due. Those two have marshaled the back line really well. Pablo Mari and, has played way better than anyone thought he could. Yeah. And those two players are players that, you know, they're not flashy center backs. There aren't really a lot of flashy center backs, but they get the most attention because they're able to pass the ball. They're able to, you know, make the big tackles. But Holding and Mari have been so resolute. They've been so composed that that's why this team has allowed one goal in the last four games. And they've been such a good tandem in the middle of the defense i mean pablo mari we got for three and a half million pounds we were on our transfer window special we were like oh it's kind of a weird signing you know signing a 26 year old guy to you know be a squad rotation player fantastic signing he's been really good then now that he's got a run in the team he's shown what he can do so i'm really happy mari's playing well because it gives us options and, and as you we know said, same thing with holding and yeah holding holding earned himself a contract literally he just signed a new contract at Arsenal yep. through, I believe, 2024. He earned that contract. He earned it by showing us what he can do. And I'm not even mad at it, to be honest. I'm a very, I'm a very big Rob Holding fan. I mean, obviously, he's not, you know, a, a top 10 center back in the Premier League or in the world, or even the best center back in this side. But he's just so calm and composed, and he stays in his position so well that if he's got a really a really, really solid center back right next to him, like Gabrielle, we're set. It's if it's them two or that or him and Mari, then we're set at the back line. Bitch. In the middle, at least. How often have we been able to say in the past, I don't know, five years that we are probably more than that, 10 years. When was the last time we said, I feel confident in our group back line and goalkeeper? The when Murdersacker and Koscielny, when Murdersacker and Koscielny were the center backs, that was the last time I said this Arsenal defense is solid. Yes, but it's crazy that the only position we may need to change is right back, which we've yeah. had like the consistency of Bellerin there forever. But he's not good. I mean, we have an option too. We have Ainsley Maitland Niles. We do. It's crazy. The left back we're sorted for another another fifty years. We've got Tierney yeah. there. We're good for the next 20 decades. <laughs> At center back, we've got Gabrielle. We've got Holding. we got Mari. We just signed Omar Rekik, getting into transfer dues a little bit as well. We just signed Omar Rekik to our youth squad, to our U23s. So he will be another person who we can contribute to in the future. We have Saliba. He's out on loan. We have center backs now. 
We said <laughs> it was an issue, but Mari and Holding have shown it's not an issue, that we have a lot of depth now, which is really yeah. crazy to think that normally we have too much depth with bad players. But right now, we have too much depth with good players. At and least at the back. At least yeah. at the back. I mean, I mean, but for me, with that, with the back line, just going a little bit ahead of the back line, the biggest news for me this week is that Thomas Partey will be available against Crystal Palace, we think. I think he'll be on the bench for that game and probably start against Newcastle in uh, six days' time. But having Partey back in that midfield and hopefully having Emil Smith-Rowe play with him, I am ecstatic to see how they link up. Because when Partey played, he was playing with Elneny and Jaka in the midfield. Now, when Partey plays, he may have Saka with him. He may have Smith-Rowe with him. He may have Martinelli playing. I really want to see how Partey links up with the, with the youngsters in the squad. And if it goes well, I don't know, Kyle. I, I, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I think we may just need to bring in one midfielder if it goes well. Which, again, we've been saying it. We've been, like, we've, we have said that Smith Rose played well, but we still think we might need someone to come in to help us. Yeah. I don't think that's the case right now, which is really strange to say that we have been so accustomed to saying we need a new attacking midfielder because of Ozo's contract situation. And we love everybody. We love Joe Illich. He's not the cam of the future. Smith Rowe has earned a, he earned himself a spot at this with this role. B he's earned staying in this role. C he's earned the longevity to make a mistake or two and stay in this role. Yeah. He's earned his place in the starting 11. There's no question about it. He has played lights out. He's scored or assisted in like every match he's played since coming back to the side. It's crazy. It's, it's such a revelation because we knew that we had two or three gems in, in, in our Academy, you know, at least with Maitland Niles, we don't play him enough, but with Saka, you know, top 15 most valuable players in the uh, most valuable players in the world, most expensive players in the world based on valuation. Smith Rowe, I mean, this academy has generated some really good players recently. I mean, even with Awobi that we sold to Everton, it's so encouraging that we don't have to look outside as much anymore. That, you know, we, we can bring in a star or two. We can bring in a marquee signing like a Pepe or an Aubameyang or a Lacazette or a Partey. But we don't have to do it all the time. We don't have to be Chelsea and sign Werner, Havertz, and Ziyech in one window. You know, it's that's sort of the, that's sort of the transitional period that this club is in. That looking to the youngsters might be a lot more valuable than looking to the Bundesliga looking to La Liga for, you know, a player to bring into the Prem because they're already accustomed. These, these youngsters are accustomed to playing Premier League football because they know what they're up against. I'm going to say this, and this is, it's, it, hear me out first and let me explain it. This feels like a lot like what Liverpool were doing, what Klopp was doing at the start of it with bringing Trent into the side and like kind of bringing the youngsters in. And some of them have clearly worked out. The same thing kind of goes for this Arsenal side that we brought in a couple signings here or there that were really good signings. Like we brought in at left back Tierney. They brought in from Hull city, Andy Robertson. Yeah. He brought up some youngsters. They brought up some youngsters. 
They had a few players in the side who they kept. They like added depth and added talent across the board at certain positions. We added Aubameyang. We added Lacazette. We added Pepe. We added Martinelli. It seems very similar in essence to how Liverpool started under Klopp and how they started to push up and up and up slowly. It Obviously, it'll take a few years for us to get there, but it feels like it's the same style of situation that they have one side of the ball figured out. It was waiting for that second side to get figured out to be able to actually push. Because for the longest time, Liverpool had the issue of we can attack amazingly. Defensively, Dejan Lovren and Martin Skirtle are not it, Chief. That was what Socrates and David Luiz were for us. And, and Mustafi. Mustafi. Ozil was, is what Coutinho was for Liverpool. Obviously, slightly different, but the same style of an amazing attacking midfielder who loves attacking, doesn't like defending, like, and they sold him off because they didn't need him and they made enough money and they brought in Van Dyke. Yeah. It's, it feels like that to me. And this, it's very promising to see. And for all of those fans that said, I don't want to back Arteta. I don't trust him. Get him out of here now. He's not worth it. Bring in someone else. Your comeuppance has come. It's come due. The bill I mean, is it's, due. Pay it now. It's so premature. It was so premature the whole time to say that Arteta should be out because we said it. Who do you bring in? What do you do? Where's the problem? The problem didn't lie with Arteta. The problem lied um, you know, with the players. The problem sort of lied with Arteta with the team selection. You know, he wasn't putting in Smith Rowe. He was playing El Nenny and Jaka constantly. He was putting in David Luiz when he didn't need to be put in. So the problem did lie with Arteta a little bit, but he figured it out. That Chelsea game was the turning point because we put in Smith Rowe. We trusted him and he delivered and he's been delivering for three weeks now. And if he can continue that, I mean, we're, I'm going to just pivot a little bit to, you know, mess at Ozil news because he hasn't left yet. The club wants him to leave. Ozil wants to leave. And the only place he wants to go is to Fenerbahce. And if Smithrow can continue this, he may earn the number 10 shirt. He may well do it. Which is kind of bonkers when you think about it. I mean, who, who, else, who else would you consider for it? maybe Saka, but Saka's seven. So it's Saka switched from 77 to seven this year. I think he wants to stick as a seven. I mean, Pepe is not going to go to number 10. No, that's not his role. He's 19. I mean, I, I think we're kind of set. I mean, Smith Rowe might just be the number 10 for us. He might earn that jersey. That that's his to lose. Now it's really weird to say that, but I am thoroughly confident in Smith Rowe and I'm thoroughly confident Fenerbahce will come in Ozu will leave. We'll get his wages back and maybe bring in Buendia. But again, we may not need Buendia. When we get Nelson back, when we get Martinelli back, when Pepe, like, we may not need Buendia to come in now. Because of how these youngsters are playing and our, what they're showing us, we may not need Buendia. We may need to just literally clean house and bring in another midfielder to play with Partey. That may be what we have to do. Obviously, we've said it. We want someone to partner Partey in the future. That might be a Basuma. That might be like we have options there. The fact that we're not suggesting to bring in a central attacking midfielder now, it it feels like this is not 
we're in the matrix or something like that. We're not in real life. <laughs> is this is this real life? Is this just fantasy? I think we're it caught was, in the it landslide. Was, <laughs> it was two weeks ago. <laughs> shout out, America. shout out, Bohemian Rhapsody. Shout out, Queen. <laughs> it was it was two weeks ago when we were when we recorded our transfer special and we said, "Oh, loan out in Ketia, loan out Nelson, loan out Saliba." I mean, um, those things may well those things may well happen. I mean, in Ketia, West Ham had interest in him because they sold Sebastian Allaire to Ajax on a really really favorable deal for West Ham. I think. Yeah, they made they they said West Ham have said they got they didn't look to sell him, but Ajax came in and gave them an offer Godfather style, an offer they couldn't turn down, an offer they couldn't refuse, and so they sold him, and they immediately said we want Ketia. And they're looking at Enketia and they apparently were offering around 15, 20 million. And then Arteta said no. Which I honestly would have been fine with it. But I mean, Fabrizio Romano reported that Arsenal isn't going to sell Enketia this window. And I don't think there's been much news on Reese Nelson. Um, but, you know, I, I still think we do need to bring in Wendia. I still think there is a need for him because Smith Rowe is not going to play every single you know, I mean, Buendia would be a nice value signing to bring in, add, you know, the spark to the team because he's played in the Premier League. We know he doesn't need the adjustment period. I think we need somebody, you know, if we're going to clear house, we need to get depth back because especially in, in the defense, Socrates, David Luiz and Mustafi isn't depth. Those are stand-in players. Those are, that's dead weight that we're trying to, you know, get rid of. But in the midfield, there really isn't depth. You know, we have Willock, we have Nelson, but we've oh. said Willock, we've, we, we've really implied that Willock is also dead weight. So I think bringing in a Buendia would benefit Smith Rowe in a way too, but we'd have to do something with Joe Willock. We do. Either, whether so that's a loan or a, or a sell. But if that doesn't happen, then, and we bring in Buendia, it could create some tension. I also have to say, I do want to say this. I wouldn't be opposed to just Omar Reki being the only signing we do this window. I wouldn't be opposed to that. That if we do, I don't think so. And if we do sell off, as we said, Ozil, we've gotten rid of Kalasanach. He's going to be sold in the summer window. I'm thoroughly confident that he's loaned out right now, but he'll be sold in the summer window. So if we're talking with squad clear out, including the loans, if we get rid of Socrates, Mustafi, Kalasanach, Ozil, Terreira, Really, we've got a lot of players. If we clean out, say, six players and we only bring in Rekik to the U23s, and if we, if because of how we're playing right now, if we get everyone back healthy and if we save up money for Hussem Alwar, I wouldn't be opposed to that. But it, it sounds, it sounds so strange because, again, a few weeks ago we were saying we need these signings done and done now. At this exact second, because of how the tide has shifted, I'm not opposed to waiting until the summer, saving funds and splashing and breaking the bank for Hussam Alwar. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not opposed either, but I, I do think that we should, shouldn't, you know, base that decision off of, you know, a three week run of form. That's, that's the thing, because I mean, two weeks ago was when we recorded our transfer special and we were saying all this clear out, bring in, and two weeks later it's changed. That's probably just because of the attitude of, you know, the, the optimism around the club. 
but the overall, the big picture, not much has changed. It's just been a, a few tweaks in the lineups, new players playing, but that doesn't mean we don't have a need, you know, a need for some depth, a need for some creativity still, because as we saw in the game against Newcastle, there was no creativity until Smithrow came on, until Saka came on, until Xhaka could link up the midfield and the attack. That's the issue. It's the right team selection, but you can't select the same team for every single game. That's no, my thinking on that. I, I, I do get that. And I think my feeling is that if Buendia is going to cost us too much, if it's the idea of we can spend, say his price, how much is Buendia's... Do we know how much? I, th- I think it's about 20, 25 million pounds. Okay. I think around there because I don't think Norwich are going to sell him for cheap. Yeah. So let's say Norwich say we want 30 million. I don't splash the bank on that. I say at yeah. that point we'd wait. If it's say closer to 20, say it's 21, 22, I wouldn't be opposed to it. I just think we need to clean out more because another thing is the depth has been, we've had too much depth for so long that it has been a very apparent issue. We have too much depth at certain spots. It's I was at the point where Nelson wasn't on the bench and Smith Rowe wasn't on the bench and Chambers isn't on the bench and Willick wasn't on the bench for a while. Like there's too much depth a lot of the time. So I wouldn't be opposed to just cleaning them out, bringing in space, essentially creating more space and then giving a lot more of the youngsters more time to shine basically like Aziz giving him a chance in the squad Rekik at some point, maybe giving him a chance in the FA cup or something. There's a lot of players that we could do that with. And the other option also was to bring back Mateo Ganduzi on loan, but it seems that Hertha Berlin want to keep him there because he has played really well for them. And we can bring him back in the summer. Again, he is, he's also in this squad. We keep forgetting that he's a, I love, I would love for Ganduzi to be an option. I would love for Genduzi to play alongside Partey and see how that goes. I would love would for Genduzi to get another run in this team. So I wouldn't um, be opposed if the price is, I think, over 25 million. If it's 25 million and above, I don't buy Buendia. If it's below that mark, I would say, why not? But if it is above 25, I think it's a bad signing, which sounds so strange to say that it's more of a, we don't need to spend that much on him at the time. Yeah, it's kind of a weird balance of if we don't sign him, we give the youngsters a chance and we say, like for this, say half of the season, we're giving you, we're giving you Reese Nelson, we're giving you Bukayo Saka, we're giving you Martinelli, we're giving you Willick, Smith Rowe, Maitland Niles, all of them. We're trusting in you that we don't need to sign anyone because we have you in the building. Go prove that to us. Because if they prove it to us, imagine what this summer could bring. Say at some point in the side, Nelson gets a run and in the, and he looks great. And then this summer we get an offer for 25, 30 million for him. Say the same happens for Enketia, Maitland Niles. Like that could be a lot of help for us is that if we give the youngsters, basically make them our signing. Martinelli coming back from injury essentially was a new signing for us because he hadn't played in months. So yeah. him coming back was a new signing for us. Smith Rowe finally playing feels like a new signing. He injected just everything into the squad. Mari coming back from injury finally. It, it, it all feels like it's new signings to the squad in general. So I feel like it does balance it out a bit. So my kind of the rant 
summary for everyone listening, because I do rant a lot, as you could tell, <laughs> is yeah. if Buendia is going to cost over 25 million euros, don't sign him. If it's under that, consider it. And if there's no other interest from other Premier League clubs, why not? But I don't think we need it. I think we, we've agreed on this. We need to clear out the club first. The club yeah. has to be cleaned out of Socrates, Mustafi, Chambers, Kolasinac, Ozil, Jaco, Willian, Torreira, Macy, uh, Bellerin. We need to clean them out first, David Luiz, and get them out the, wind, out the door, bring in maybe Buendia, save up for this summer to buy a Husam Alwar, bring back Genduzi on loan. We've got the, the pieces here to make this actually worth it. It's clear that the issue for so long was that there was a reliance from Arteta on the senior players because he's a new manager. He knows David Luiz has quality. He's going to trust him. He didn't want to take a risk with holding. And then holdings paid off. And then Mari, he had to play him. That paid off. He had to play Gabriel. That paid off. And you can see where it kind of it's developed into him now trusting these youngsters and that them getting this start means that now he can go back and forth between, say, Saka and Pepe, if, like, if that was a thing. That he could say, I trust Pepe, I also trust Saka. I trust Martinelli, I trust Reese Nelson, I trust Smith Rowe. That there's a lot of options now at certain spots where there wasn't before because he didn't trust them and they weren't getting a run on the side. We always know Saka will give us a moment or two regardless of how he's how many times he's played because we know how quality he is as a player that we know we can trust him to get us a good performance here or there regardless of how many games he's played in a row that we know that's about him so we can trust that we put him in he's gonna do well so i i don't think we're gonna need a big signing i think buendia tops 25 million under that cool over that uh-uh save money for alwar give nelson a run sell him for 30 million and Katia run 30 million. Bingo, bing, bang, boogie. And with that, we'll just pivot right back into the Premier League um, with, you know, the Premier League table. Um, Man United went top of the table today. They are oh, three stop, points clear. Stop, 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 stop. stop. <laughs> they are three points clear of Liverpool, and they're on the same matches played. Liverpool could go back top tomorrow. Um, pardon me, not tomorrow. I believe they play, they play Man United on Sunday. Yes. Which, which is going to be a, great a colossal game. Huge game. Everton won today. They're back in the top four. And uh, Tottenham will play Fulham tomorrow. And City play Brighton tomorrow. City also the match we're looking at. Yeah. The match we're looking at is on Thursday. Arsenal versus Crystal Palace. Partey will most likely be available for that one. Um, I'm thinking he bench, but... What are you thinking will go on in that game, Kyle? Against Palace? I got to be honest, I am very intrigued to see how this Palace game goes because Wilfred Zaha is a whole deal of a player to, to have to face. He is real good. Like, let's let's not beat around the bush here. Zaha has been rumored to go to basically all the top clubs with the last five years. They've all wanted him at some point. We wanted him. United Including wanted Including us, him. yep. We'll see. Everyone's wanted Wilfred Zaha. And he probably could get into our side realistically. You can get into most sides you wanted to because he's top quality. That he will give you a goal if you want one. I, against Palace, I don't know. That Palace have been very hit or miss. Obviously, they got drubbed by Liverpool 7 0. 
they got schwacked in the face. But they beat West Brom 5-1, so they can score goals. They drew 1-1 with Tottenham, so that's that. They drew 1-1 with Leicester. They're a very weird side to kind of quantify because they have these games where they look electric. They beat United earlier this year 3-1. It's kind of, I don't know. I'm, I'm and very... just remember they're, they're only one point behind us in the table, which is so this, easy to think. this is, this is, you know, your, your classic mid table clash that we, we have coming up on Thursday. It's your classic mid table clash. And for us to propel back into the top 10, we need a win. And we were only six points off the top six, but there are a ton of teams in the running for that. We're in 11th. And the fifth place team has 29 points and we've we're on 23. That just shows you how close it is, um, you know, in, in that top 10. So I think we need all three points. It's oh, out. If we, if we get all three points, it is huge for us. We cannot stress how important getting this win is that, as you said, it, it helps us massively. Obviously if we do get it, it doesn't, Realistically, we need to win by enough to vault us over West Ham, uh, but we're not going to go past West Ham realistically uh, because Chelsea are. We're on the we're on the same games played yeah. as well. So if if we win, play. then we'll there will be a game in hand for West Ham that they can you know get a win on. Yeah. So and West Ham, uh, checking up, are playing Burnley on Saturday, which I think they'll handily win. Uh, this is a very. Ooh, this is this is an interesting period of time for us because we have uh, we have Crystal Palace like now basically, and then after that we have Southampton on the twenty sixth. We have Newcastle on the eighteenth. Let me not forget that. So next Monday we have Newcastle. So also we will have that match for you guys for next week. So we'll have two matches to talk about for next episode, which is going to be fun, and we get to preview after that the Southampton match, which is eight days after that. And then to end off the month, as we said, we have one big six side coming to us or we're playing against in the next month. On the 30th, we have the current top side, Manchester United. And they are coming to the Emirates. And first of all, we, we really can't get ahead of ourselves with that one because we've got three pretty big games. We've got three pretty big games. Two, two mid-table clashes plus a game against Southampton who are very solid. So... I mean, if we can get nine points from nine, I'll be very happy going into the United game if because we, that'll give us confidence. And also, we beat United earlier in the season. It was probably one of our best performances of, of, of the whole year. And that was Partey's first match. So, I mean, if we, can, if we can keep it going, play the lineups that we've been playing, get Saka, Smith, Rowe, Martinelli in the side, at least two of those three, get Aubameyang back on form, Lacazette playing like he is, the defense, solid, Gabrielle back. Things are looking very good for us. But it's these next three matches that we'll have to gauge. Like we said three weeks ago, it's going to be the Chelsea, Brighton, West Brom run that we'll have to gauge. We got nine of nine points from that. If we can do it again, I'll be extremely impressed. Extremely impressed. That'll be six Premier League wins in a row if we get nine points from nine in these Agreed. next three matches. There's, there's a lot of the three-game spurts for us that we have to do well in. So we've got these three, and then we've got United. And then after that, we have Wolves, Villa, Leeds. Three-game spurt. Three and very uh, good sides. Then, then the Europa League comes back in, and it gets interesting again. So, and then we've got City as well, and Leicester. Like, 
it's three game spurts, big match, three game spurts, big match. That's what it's kind of looking like. And that's good to gauge it off of every three matches kind of check in and see how are we doing here? And right now we're playing pretty well. I'm happy. I know you're happy about it. We don't often talk positively about Arsenal. The first few episodes, first few episodes of these 10 were not very positive. The last couple have been very positive. I do have to say. I mean, it's so much more fun to, to not have to take out your anger in a podcast. It's so much more fun to be able to, you know, to, to talk about the team you love playing well. You know, that's, it's obvious. It's, I just said the most obvious thing in the world, but you know, it's, it's so much more fun. And I mean, just the last thing we do before we sign off for this episode, I just want to get um, a score prediction from you, Kyle, for Arsenal Crystal Palace. And um, we'll do a score prediction for Arsenal Newcastle as well, because we'll be covering both those games on next week's episode, episode 11, that will be. Yes. So Crystal Palace prediction for you, Kyle? I'm saying against Crystal Palace, it will be Arsenal 2, Palace 1, we're going to go for Zaha goal some point in the match. Don't know when it's going to happen, but I'm thinking 2-1 Arsenal against Palace and then against Newcastle. I'm saying probably 1-0. 1-0 to the Arsenal. Let's do it that way. What about you? Give me your predictions. Uh, for Arsenal Crystal Palace, I'm going to go the same. 2-1. Um, I think uh, Aubameyang will get a goal, and I think we will see one from, uh, from Saka as well. Um, for Newcastle, I'm going to go with a draw in that one, 1-1. One, one. I'm going to go a 1-1 one, one draw because, you know, the game against them in the FA Cup was pretty contentious and we were playing a pretty good side as well. Anything could happen, but I just don't think we get nine points from nine in this in this three-game stretch. So I think a draw, um, will it'll, it'll come down to that because I don't think we'll be playing our strongest side against the Newcastle side. I agree. I, I see that. I see that. And we will have all of this coverage, obviously, at gg gooner pod on twitter we will live cover the games so make sure to check us out there we also as i said earlier share all the videos of the goals as soon as we can find them on twitter and there's been some fun ones we've had as well they're sometimes in different languages so don't mind that that is just the fun (laughs) and our score predictions as we said both going 2-1 against palace and i said 1-0 against newcastle arjun said 1-1 a draw against newcastle So we'll have to see for next episode how well we do. And we should probably start keeping track of these predictions because we haven't, I don't think, got one right in a while. So we we both predicted, we both predicted a replay last time. We didn't know that the FA Cup didn't have replays, which we sort of were right. I mean, we did predict a draw and it it pretty much was a draw, but you know. It is what it it is. It it is what it is. (laughs) It is what it is. (laughs) So thank you all for listening to episode 10 of the Going Going Lunar podcast. Make sure to check out first part of this episode where we talk all things NFL playoffs, Saints, and even some Nickelodeon, some kids shows in there. So make sure to check that out on Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your podcasts from, wherever you're listening to this podcast, check it out. Other part of the episode for myself and Arjun, that is us signing off, guys.